She hears Ted's footsteps as he ambles down the hall and through the kitchen. The garage door rumbles and creaks. Do something, she runs down the hallway. Follow him, heading for the garage. She remembers that her car is in the shop. She turns and crashes through the back patio doors and between the bushes to her neighbor friend Kat's house to borrow her minivan. I'll explain later, she pants, grabbing the keys from Kat. Eleanor catches up with Ted at the stop sign at the end of their street. She snatches Kat's sunglasses from the visor and ducks behind the steering wheel. The car is stuffy with August heat, and she punches on the air conditioning. The Lion King plays on a little TV screen in the back of the van. Ted surprises her, turning into the parking lot of their gym. A woman waiting on the sidewalk out front waves to Ted. Eleanor recognizes her from her own infrequent trips to the club. The woman works there as a trainer. She's in her early 30s, slim and fit, with long, light brown hair down to her ass. An ass that Eleanor envies. Eleanor pulls to the back of the lot and watches the trainer climb into Ted's car. Eleanor follows them onto the freeway ramp heading south. They turn off a few exits down, then wind through an unfamiliar neighborhood. Ted pulls into a healthy oats grocery store and parks. The woman, Gina. This must be Gina. Jumps out and does a little leap, as though she's been taken to Tiffany's. As she squeezes Ted's hand in hers, he looks around furtively. Ted pulls his hand away, but Gina doesn't seem to notice. They head into the store. Eleanor turns off the minivan and waits. Now the relentless honking of a car alarm makes Eleanor want to drive Kat's minivan through the serene pyramid of apples and strawberries just outside the store. Call the marriage counselor, she thinks, and schedule an appointment for tomorrow. But her cell phone's at home, with her wallet and shoes. She likes the cocoon of the counselor's sunny office, the oriental carpets, the shelves of books, the dust motes floating lazily through the air. When she and Ted discussed how infertility had ruined their sex life, the counselor, Dr. Brewster, nodded sympathetically and insisted this was common. When Ted lamented how the treatments made Eleanor angry and distant, Dr. Brewster explained that the hormones caused these mood changes. Eleanor couldn't help it. During those early months of procedures and doctor's appointments, Eleanor had managed to fight off the hormone horrors. She practiced yoga and visualization, took watercolor classes. She imagined Oshkosh overalls and tiny cowboy boots. The lab evaluated the quality of their two embryos during the first in vitro and gave them a grade A, the best you can hope for. Eleanor wanted a bumper sticker. My embryos are grade A at Stanford Hospital. But that cycle didn't work. Something's wrong with me, Eleanor insisted. It's not your fault, Ted replied. I love you. Let's take a break from all this. Let's go to Paris. Eleanor pushed him away. No, merci, she said glumly. During the second in vitro, somewhere around the 20th injection Ted gave Eleanor, the hormones engulfed her. She slammed doors and snapped at him. Everything was his fault. One morning, Eleanor tried to smash a home pregnancy test stick with a hammer, a task that's impossible, it turns out. She whispered to the stick, just give me the second pink line. Setting the stick on a paper towel, she washed her hands, then closed her eyes. She opened them. Nothing. 
Then she flew to the utility room, yanked the hammer out of the toolbox, returned to the bathroom, and smashed the stick. Or tried to. One swift hit did nothing. The second blow chipped the sink, but barely dented the stick. She became a whirling storm of rage and sobs and repeated strikes with the hammer. Finally, she collapsed on the floor cross-legged, cradling the hammer. Ted pushed open the door. He gaped at Eleanor on the floor as though she were a stranger on the street you'd definitely want to steer clear of. She'd never felt so unattractive. It was then that the fatigue draped her, as heavy as an X-ray smock. The marriage counselor encouraged Ted and Eleanor to take a break from the treatments. Go on vacation, go out to dinner, get massages. They were supposed to take a break together, but Eleanor has really been taking a break on her own, recoiling from Ted, retreating from the fury into the laundry room. It's comforting to wash and fold clothes, a task that's easy to complete. She runs small, unnecessary loads just to be lulled by the sound of the dryer. She especially likes the clinking of buttons and zippers, a metal-against-metal metronome that brings calm as she stares into the blue screen of her laptop, never actually doing any work. As her energy has waned, she's quit separating loads by color. Now all of their clothes are a purplish-gray reminiscent of bad weather. Ted brings flowers, fixes pots of homemade soup. Eleanor doesn't thank him enough. Their sex life has faded to nil. Sex only leads to disappointment. Eleanor obsessively does the laundry and reads novels, burrowing back into the comforting familiarity of the classics she read in college. Anna Karenina, The Age of Innocence. Meanwhile, Ted obsessively works out at the gym. Or so Eleanor has thought. Ted and Gina emerge...